Got my own buffer. Welcome to the Serial Podcast, Verbal Tap Edition. One story told over the course of 15 annoying minutes. I am your host, Kevin Phillips. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, how are you doing? Are you ready to get into the details? This is a collect call from <laughs> Raph Esparza. Do you accept these charges? <laughs> yes, that was... Oh, my God. Raph is the best in the business. Let's start with the timeline. December 4th. John Jones is randomly tested by the Nevada Athletic State Commission for performance. Wait, was that really the beginning of the timeline? Oh, no. I'm sorry. Uh, Did you want the more elaborate timeline? Well, I think in order to get to the bottom of this, I mean, we're spending, what, 15 minutes talking about this? We should really go to the cause. You're absolutely right, and I apologize. July 19th, 1987, John Jones is born. To a very happy... Well, oh, I don't know that we need to go that far back. I think that's pretty... Oh. oh. I mean, we know he was no. poor. I see what you're saying. Okay. August 9th, 2008. John Jones makes his debut in the UFC cage. Don't be stupid. We know he was in the UFC. What? That has yeah. nothing to do with the fact that he was in the news most recently. It was a commanding victory, Raph. I'm not sure you're giving credence to the... Okay, well, let's just, fine. Uh, November 28th, 29th-ish? Sure. John Jones is in Brazil. Maybe it's getting late. Mm -hmm. He's been partying a little hard. He needs a little upkick. Might do something that he shouldn't have. Can you do me a favor, Kevin? Because you you introduced the bit. So I really want you to elaborate and use your own speculation voice like the host of Serial did. I have trouble believing that John Jones wasn't somehow complicit, but then I look at the information and the information is he won a fight one month later. Does someone like that go on a Coke bender? And I find myself once again, having to look at the evidence, but I think it all comes back down to Best Buy. Was there a phone or wasn't there at the Best Buy where John Jones should have called Dana to say, can you please delay the testing maybe 48 to 72 hours? I've triangulated every Coke dealer within the past 40-mile radius of everything Brazil. That's everything in Brazil. Everything Brazil. Everything Brazil. Brazilian flag, 40 miles triangulated. And I just can't help but think – was this kid the real deal? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, your gut starts to tell you something and you see it and you think you feel it and you think mm-hmm. you've run down the numbers. Like, of course, December, we see very clearly what John Jones is doing through his Twitter account, but d- could someone else have been tweeting for him? I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Mystery. Part, we'll I never know. get to the end of it, but you know, I got to say this. And I do love that Joe Rogan did an extensive version of uh, going through. And if you guys haven't seen it, uh, don't stop listening to this because, Jesus, we're way more important. Uh, but he didn't but, do your collect call and our serial thing. And he that did collect not. call thing was art. People, that, <laughs> people were like, Kevin's being stupid. Oh, Raph's in? No way. No way. Raph's in on this. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's one of the few times we actually. podcast then. <laughs> 
<laughs> we do like yes they and done it a little less. They could have yeah. done thirty seconds less cereal. But, but yes. if you are looking at the facts, and everybody has, because suddenly everybody's become an expert at cocaine. <laughs> not not I yeah sorry yeah. I have comments about the whole drug issue later. Oh absolutely. Okay. Okay, but good. can we discuss how certain things do make more sense now? I know a lot of people said that uh, his actions, uh, John Jones, uh, Parse in the cage, he didn't test positive for anything. But okay. Uh, when he was in the cage against Daniel Cormier, when he threw his hands up and then got that cheap shot in on DC mm-hmm. and then uh, said it as if DC was the one trying to get in a cheap shot at Herb Dean's expense – yeah, that kind of sounds like a crack addict. I could kind yeah, of see that. That's I definitely see there. Some of the behavior. Yeah, that's definitely in the reins of crack is whack. Okay, um, but on the other side, if you're really going all the way back, that's how somebody loses a shoe in a shoving argument, where a poor UFC director of publicity gets shoved around. Because someone feels a little froggy. So what you're alluding to is the part of the story I actually don't think anyone has talked about. That's the one part. Maybe this is why he was such a hyped up douchebag on television and maybe why he pushed Daniel Cormier. Mm -hmm. Something he's never done before. He's always been a super complete professional. Uh, What the F? Well, don't forget he was also very much on edge. When he discovered, guess what? Cameras work and have a function <laughs> record. Yeah. When he was surprised that the interview, he's like, oh, so people can still see this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> people buy like hearing the producer explain it, you know that was the most terrifying life of that producer's moment. <laughs> you're just like, uh, people can hear you. It's like, oh, 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 I didn't want to be a part of this. I really wanted to sit here and just watch this segment, but – Wait, can we also discuss that he knew enough at that time to know that the technology allowed him to talk to Daniel Cormier? Yeah. But maybe not enough to know that, yes, somebody could be recording this very candid conversation where he's calling him a pussy. Crack at it. And John, don't you think they are? Like, don't you think records on? You're just sitting there waiting for it to go live. Like, I love that it was just he thought it was like the radio. He's like, no, I'm not on. (laughs) No one can hear me. So in this age, we we have this little thing called backups. It's like this is just recording straight to a computer. That's why you're in a studio. It's way easier. Like that's kind of the yeah. whole fucking point. So talk <laughs> so, to me. You 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 have a timeline. You have uh yeah, I do some have a thoughts that you want to get to. Tell me what you thought because I think we've seen everything on the internet. I've seen a million memes where people have photoshopped every version of crack. On to a a photo with John Jones, but I am interested to hear where you are at. Okay, first of all, I have this question for you, and this is the part that confuses me. Was he supposed to be tested for what he was tested for? Mm, Kind of. Okay. Eh. Apparently, I, I you know. This part of the the story was way less fun to me, so I didn't read it as much. Okay, because but... I have what this says. I have on December 4th, mm-hmm. 
it was an administrative oversight why the test was done in the first place. The testing was not supposed to include drugs of abuse. All right, let's time out here for a second. How many people do you know who have failed a drug test who wish they could get away with saying oh. administrative oversight? How, a lot of people were like, yeah, I've been – I fell for that once. I had an administrative <laughs> oversight. Ooh, it me too. Me yeah, yeah, that's all, everybody. It's Sprint. It was – yeah, <laughs> I agreed. Time back in, but agreed. Time out, time back in. Okay. So they're not supposed to test it. Is that is that real? Like, can they go back and fake that it wasn't or have people – like it, that to me seems like the quality where it's like, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have – then I think everything was run the way it was supposed to run. Okay, now we're time back in on way because the big question everybody had was, well, why would you test for cocaine in the first place? Mm-hmm. And then it became, well, if you test for it, why wouldn't you ban somebody from doing that? Um, so yeah, very valid question. And administrative oversight is so weird to me. Can we say that the direct response by the UFC, and we'll get into that in a second, um, do you think it's an invitation to use cocaine now? Oh, it's – there is a big – yeah, first of all, I think cocaine's preferred drug because it gets out of your system a little faster than the Diaz brothers who have been relentlessly punished for their marijuana usage, which huge hypocritical bone erected for the UFC – that's they're a just, strange phrasing all out, but... Right. They're just swinging it around, mm-hmm. Raph, and it's not okay. It's like, but if, oh, well, it's we not... really like John Jones, so let's be as understanding and supportive as we can it has not been their previous stance. Yeah, because I feel that at least with the UFC's uh, stance on this, if it's not an invitation, it's a dare. They're practically putting it on the hooker's yep. ass on fight night rap. I completely agree with you. Because they're saying – Find hey, the craft service table. Give just... us better fights, you assholes. And maybe if you're hopped up on something, we'll get something <laughs> better here. I'm not going to have a UFC fight night and just have it promote itself. I need you guys hopped up on some shit. Uh, oh, and guess what? Uh, you got to go and do this whole like, I'm really, really sorry. I'm going to go to rehab. But oh, you get yeah. to keep your belt if you win one. Yeah, I'm sure John Jones is really enjoying rehab. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mean oh, to shoot we, people that might have recovery. But let's yeah. do the disclaimer part, Kevin. You yeah. want to handle that part? That cocaine I'll is. I'll handle that. Okay. Absolutely, people belong in recovery and the rehabilitation of one's believed drug over usage or addiction shouldn't be made fun of. John Jones uh, fought a UFC fight two days before he went to rehab. So he obviously was only so worried about getting into a rehabilitation facility versus maybe that we're suggesting his uh, addiction, which probably doesn't exist, was more of a, I'm going to rehab so people will just not judge me and just let me get this through. Uh, did that? Did I handle that? Pretty okay. Um, yeah. Bad disease, uh, I don't even know if you call it a disease. I don't even know what you call it. I don't know what the ADA makes you refer to it as, but it is unfortunate. We hope he gets better. There are some lessons to learn from this uh, that are, I think, UFC-related that are worth talking about, however. For example, uh, some discussion points include the following. 
So the UFC was informed about this around Christmas time, if not before Christmas. Is that correct with your timeline? Yes. December 18th, a second drug test for Jones is ordered. Chairman Francisco Aguilar says the test was conducted as a follow-up due to the positive test for cocaine, despite the fact that results from the first test still hadn't been returned. So says the state second test was ordered under normal circumstances, but this time there was no additional testing done for drug abuse. So you're Dana. Yeah. And you get this information and you immediately have to start thinking about UFC 151 and the possibility of having to cancel an event because guess what? Your UFC champion tested positive for a drug. But wait. <laughs> That's okay. It's not one of the ones he was supposed to be tested for. It's not, he's, he's fine. So a question that got posed that I, I will pose this to you. With this in knowledge, do you think the UFC was putting John Jones in danger by putting him and continuing to put him in this fight? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they deny that, they're, oh, I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, they're putting him in a little bit of danger. And why do you think they're putting him in danger? You get a you get a test that says your best fighter tested positive for cocaine and not for anything else, which is, you know, good. Not doing any of the banned substance. We just wanted to let you know. And then to be like, well, we're just going to let the fight go through and then we'll get this guy to rehab means, yeah, you're absolutely on some level saying the money is more important than for sure making sure he gets to rehab right now, which is like if you're saying that this is a cryptic illness taking over his life uh then you would probably want to go ahead and not defer it for two weeks sure absolutely and <clears throat> i'm sure I he think... didn't after party in vegas though so i'm sure that didn't take place well thank god i'm so glad they got to the bottom of that because that was my <laughs> first concern after i heard of all of these these things um i would like to point out the contradiction between the ufc and what a press release means and what they really mean. We'll elaborate a little bit. Kevin, do you mind? I, I'm going to have to get off the phone in, in a couple minutes, but I think we have Dana White uh, here to explain some of their actions as well. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Raph. We I'm do. Just gonna... but, oh, okay. I'm just... But give I'm me one second to make okay, this fine. one quick point, and maybe you can bring this up to him, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so while they obviously released a statement after they found out, that said, we are proud of John Jones for entering himself into rehab. But yet, in that statement saying, yes, it's a, a problem, but not enough of a problem to pull a fight with that knowledge. Because eh, it wasn't one of the, the listed areas, but it's definitely a problem. Don't get us wrong. Just not one that we're going to stop him from fighting because we got you know we made the That's posters a bit of cocaine. Who you know what i mean i mean yeah. who haven't we all done cocaine people <laughs> so that's my point yeah um but raph i'm gonna have to put you on the back burner all right well whatever you do don't tell dana i said any of that don't worry switch okay. off thank you raph esparza Dana White from the UFC is on the show to talk. John Jones, surprised you took the call. Thankfully took the call. How the fuck are you doing tonight, Dana? Hey, that's the way you fucking ask somebody how they're doing. You don't say how are you doing. You say how are you fucking doing. So good fucking job to you. Thank you. Dana, first question. 
A little bit of cocaine, not that big a deal, right? Obviously. No, cocaine is definitely a huge problem that I really don't mind as long as you're doing it way before the fight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. What was that second part? So it, I'm sorry, I'm just confused. I'm it, saying is cocaine is or... a huge problem in people's lives and that people should fucking yeah. watch the way that they fucking yeah. live. Exactly. With all due respect. But really, if you're going to do it, do it like a month before the fight because I really can't do anything to you. It's that second part that's confusing. Mm. What get... fucking second part? No, I'm. I guess I don't think cocaine's that big a deal. So I, you know, you can talk to me. I'm cool, man. I'm down. I'm, it's, you know, Kevin. I'm saying it's people who think the way that you do who allow and enable cocaine addicts to actually exist. Okay, and I would know a thing about enabling cocaine no, addicts. This is come on, you would according to my research. You, your best fighter. You let him fight while he was all hopped up on coke juice. Uh, you know, okay, it wasn't juice, okay? So, well, yeah, first off, I'm that, being you're metaphorical. Back straight. You know, I always say this. You fucking media, you're all the fucking same. You guys do this all the fucking time. You string little facts together, and then you pretend as if they're all true. Everybody knows yeah. facts aren't true. No, I, well, what? I'm, I'm sorry. So, okay, did we, let's just circle back. I know you don't have much time. Uh, cocaine, good or bad? Should we ha- let fighters be doing it in the UFC or what? Like, where are you at? Absolutely not. And we here at the UFC have a hard line stance to get all types of illegal substances. And we follow in the example of the Nevada Athletic State Commission, who, by the way, are fucking losers. But we follow in their example. And if they don't fucking find somebody, then why the fuck should we? Okay. okay. Well... Isn't like you guys make money off it though? The Nevada State Gaming Commission isn't. Yeah, drug dealers make money off cocaine. What's the problem? <laughs> That's uh, there's what I Dana. Thank you so much for being in the final question. Mm. Uh, I just because you know you're on here. Um, John Jones, are we gonna schedule a fight for him? Like, what's the next step or? Oh, this is this is some real good stuff. I've got really fucking good news to tell you guys. So yeah. in uh, John Jones Rehab Center, he's already won all the fights he's been uh, scheduled for there. No way. Yeah. yeah he's yeah, the he's, champ. Yeah. yeah, he's a fucking champ of everything. He was also the champ of cocaine, allegedly. But you know what? That's wrong, people, and we shouldn't glorify it. Hey, you heard it here. It's wrong, people. We shouldn't glorify it. Let's, I think it's getting close to the fight, but it's hard to nail that down. But let's uh, also see him fight Cain uh, Velasquez. No cocaine. No. Definitely well, no cocaine. Or, or both on cocaine. You know what I'm saying, Dana? Like, give me a little pony. That's only like, if we do if... it in Mexico. Am I right? Because they got no hey. fucking over there. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, UFC President Dana White. Thanks, Dana, so much. Fuck you kindly. <laughs> it's great. All right, I'm going to bring Raph back on because I'm clear myself. Raph? <coughs> Hello? Hey. I. Uh, Good news, bad news. Okay. Um, good news is I did follow up on your question about, like, what do they mean versus seeing in the press release is cocaine not a serious drug. And yeah. that's the good news. Okay. The bad news is I did not get any clarity f- for you. Um, he kept saying it was bad, and then he'd kind of make a caveat that was hard to follow. I find that very hard to believe. Dana's a straight shooter. You know, he speaks from it the was, gut. It was probably me. It was probably yeah. I'm going to have to review the tape and and come to a decision uh, months after the fact. (laughs) So two questions left to address on this edition. 
First, do you believe they should have told Daniel Cormier a question you posed to me that I thought was interesting? Second, <sighs> do you think he should get to keep the belt? Those are the two questions left. Okay. Those are the two of the hardest questions, I think, because... <laughs> Uh, We've been dicking around for a lot of the first unimportant ones. (laughs) (laughs) I'm most – okay. I'm going to answer you, but I'm most pissed that I'm answering a question I set up myself. Yeah. Do you see what you're doing to me here? I asked you this question on the interwebs and you said that's a great question. And then what do you proceed to do with it? Ask the shit out of it to you. Yeah, no, no, no. Just send it right back to me. All right. (laughs) It's a little tennis style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morally, I do feel that DC has a right to know. But I guess if I'm a fight promoter, what difference does it make? Um, I don't know. Just as a person, I would want to know because I'd be pissed. And it's also potentially jeopardizing a title shot that I've been working my whole life to. So I guess there's that. On the promoter side, it's like, well, fuck you, Daniel Cormier, you know. That's not something that really is going to affect you because we've put a stop to it and we've put a stop to it in a manner that we will take care of it as soon as this fight is over. So those are all my thoughts. I hate colloquialisms, but Mm -hmm. I will give one. This is a situation where the UFC, I, I think, thought what you and I think, which is they should have told him. And they were like, but it's a lot easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. And it sure. is like, it's just a lot easier to be like Daniel Cormier. Oh God, here's your $40,000. He didn't make it check in the same breath as you like in the same breath. To me, that's a much easier conversation than right before the fight saying, Oh, by the way, he, your opponent, uh, a little coked up. So I guess I'm duck and mad weave. for so many different duck reasons. And, weave. and if you really are extrapolating it, it may be a masterstroke move by the UFC because, Afterwards, what was DC's response? He had to publicly, you know, just, I hope he gets the treatment he needs. A lot of people look up to him. It's a great checkmate, right? Because what is what else is he going to say? Yeah, I wish they had told me beforehand. I would have just given him the $20. So maybe he wouldn't have tried to take me down so many times. Like, I don't know. But yeah, that's what he had to say after the fact. Absolutely. Yep. And on the other side, they win again because DC looks like the good sportsman uh, that everybody can rally behind. So I don't know. It, it's one behind move that has doors, though. multiple doors. fucking implications. And yep, the UFC gets to walk away just fine because in an answer to your second question, which I may have also posed, but I'll pretend like I didn't because everybody's talked about this. Does he get to keep the belt? We put this question up. To a survey. Did you happen to see the responses we got from this? I saw a few. Okay. We had a whole bunch of people who bemoaned the fact that, yes, something should be done, but they're probably not going to do it. And that's a weird place to be in. What are your thoughts? Do you think that he should be stripped of it? Uh, No. <laughs> I guess I don't because <laughs> okay. I just saw him beat the shit out of Daniel Cormier. So it's not like it's a close fight that it could even, you know. Um, And I guess I have to accept the fact that this was an accidental test. I don't don't know how else to live in a world unless there are people that work in the industry are like, oh, yeah, we fucked up and tested for the right things. (laughs) Like, that's such a weird... So if they really weren't testing for something that's banned, yeah, I don't understand why they ran that test. And frankly... 
that's it doesn't that get into like some privacy issues? Sure, but I don't know. I mean, you're already invading athletes' privacy if you're testing them for something. So I guess it's a very weird middle ground to start getting into. Carrie Weir actually put this response up on our page. I thought this was pretty good. Although it isn't on the banned substances list, should there be the fact that there's an illegal substance that it trumps that? Not stripping could be interpreted as condoning or at worst at least overlooking the fact that he has voluntarily entered a treatment is good for his health and recovery but does not excuse his decision making. Well, Carrie, that makes so much sense. We're just going to have to ignore it completely because (laughs) that's what the UFC is doing. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Like, wait, it is – I guess it's not a banned substance but it is a banned substance. And this one – is from George Ruiz, who says, no, because it's not a banned substance, but suspend him, and as far as fighter misconduct. And it's just morally wrong and straight up illegal by state and federal law. Well, it'd be really helpful if the UFC had some sort of weird fighter conduct code that they could implement and use arbitrarily whenever they felt the need for it, like firing other fighters, but they don't have that, do they? Yeah, no, they've never used that. Like when Nick Diaz didn't show up, and they took him out that fight because he has social anxiety issues and didn't want to do an interview. They were like, fuck <laughs> that. You fucking do the interview. Yeah. And finally, we can end, I think, on our good friend Kevin Ford, who wrote and I think took so long to actually just write this response and maybe the most clarified of all the responses. They should. They won't. <laughs> yeah. So Those are all really well done. Verbal tapsians. Yeah. Verbal tapsians. You guys are smart. <laughs> Pretty soon yeah. we're going to make it so <laughs> we don't have to do any analysis and we just I was read like, what you guys wrote on it. We should be reading their analysis more frequently. <laughs> There's the first one was like, oh, God, this got very serial with the uh, participation. Raph, I mm, – yeah, I guess I think they – oh, I already – no. Okay. I'm good. No. I'm done with the John Jones thing. I'm done. Okay. Kevin, do you want to say who did it? Uh, Yeah, I think Adnan did. You think Adnan gave him the cocaine from jail? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think obviously he did both. Okay, that was our 25 minutes uh, on No More John Jones. No Moss. There are some UFC fights coming up this weekend. Sure. Not some, there's one. Sunday, (laughs) January 18th. McGregor versus Siever. Man. That was my Irish and German. Siever's uh, stock photo is amazing. He looks like a henchman in a bad Mario Brothers recreation movie. Yeah, he also looks like he could for sure be uh, James Bond's Daniel Craig's stunt double. Well, uglier stunt double, yeah. Well, yeah, but stunt double. Yeah, he's going to be moving. So yeah, 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 perfect ears. Uh, next, I'm confused on this next fight. S- okay, Henderson. I know Benson Henderson has yep. fought in a while. Sure. Uh, versus Donald Cerrone. Yeah. Okay. Now stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, guy wearing a cowboy hat walks into Dana White's office and stop. says, I've, "I've heard that. Yeah, you have. Yeah, it was like four. It happened like three or four times the last couple of years." Oh, well, let me finish the joke, you jerk. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. Okay, so Donald Cerrone, duh, is the cowboy in this scenario. It really just ruined the comic timing of this whole thing. It was going to be the punchline is Donald Cerrone got a fight. 
and you just fucking anyway. Amazing story is that Donald Cerrone walks in, was not kidding, at that last UFC 182 post-presser, said he wanted to fight, offered to go ahead and fight uh, Benson Henderson, and Dana White was like, yeah, why the fuck not? So we have this fight, which, by the way, this card got immediately better just by doing that. That's true. We love watching Donald Cerrone fight and getting to see him fight this back-to-back. Plus, I love that he's fighting Benson Henderson this for sure means if he wins, like if he does this, which is insane, he gets a title shot, right? Yes. Or am I being over presumptuous? I think so. If he doesn't get a title shot, I think he'll go back to Dana's office. <laughs> and we know how that's going to He should. Like, there should for sure. With Pettis, right? That's who's next? Probably. I don't know. I, there's no rhyme or reason with Donald Cerrone. I think he just he gets what he wants. And he may at some point make a case to try and go against Brock Lesnar if they sign him. So who knows? <laughs> That'd be, sorry. Fucking cool if they did. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of – it's a huge tough card. A lot of Ultimate Fighter guys, including Uriah Hall. Who's waiting there. for a shadow <laughs> yeah, to come and be filled. Louise Taylor, beast no, mode. That uh, he is currently opponentless. Oh, really? Hall. Yeah, he just lost his opponent because uh, they were feeling pretty injured too. So with a week out, he is looking for a new opponent now. Oh, ta-da! Well, uh, let's get one of those eager 185 pounders let's uh perk him up with some cocaine let's get him in the cage absolutely for a, for a good old-fashioned spinning back kick brawl uh who else we got here Ooh, van buren down there at the bottom of the card love it love it should be some good fights did you i already know the answer to this love the polaris pro as much as i did i did it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun. Some really cool grappling matches. You know, a lot of people are trying to put this as to which is better between this and Metamorris. And I think they're two very different extremes. I think they both want to showcase jiu-jitsu, and that's the common part in the Venn diagram. But I thought this was cool for a whole different series of reasons. They put a lot of effort into the online program. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was like a, a better feed. Whatever feed company they used, better. Yo, yeah, I was I had already put a joke in on uh, the Reddit forums because they were like, "What are your predictions for Polaris?" And I said, "A terrible stream." <laughs> and uh, you know, at the end, it's like one person that's like the lone voice. It's like I thought it was a pretty good stream, but I was like, actually, it was really good. Yeah, it was uh, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna give them shit if that was the case uh okay so history was on your side i thought the same thing i was not i did not have high expectations and i was pleasantly surprised can we also describe the fact that do you know how much money you got charged for it because i don't uh i think something 15 e signs which is five dollars i guess i don't know (laughs) no i don't but you know how bad it is when it's like uh, are you going to order this jujitsu thing? Yes, of course. Give it to me. It's jujitsu. Okay, well, it's going to cost you this much dollars in European money. And I go, I don't just give me it. Just- Equals fifteen euros. <laughs> I had the same reaction you did. I was like, well, I don't know how much that is, but <laughs> I guess I'm about to pay it. 
do you know how dangerous this is? They, they, you know, I think they still could be taking money out of my account, and I stupidly wouldn't know. Did you catch Metamorris? I'm waiting for the dollar to bounce back uh, before <laughs> I invest in that company again. So, um, pros. Um, we had some really exciting fights. I think uh, the exciting fights came by way of, you know, of, of course, friend of the podcast, uh, Gary Tonin, who just is amazing just is so fun to watch because he's always going on the attack and he makes things fun even when it looks like he's kind of uh setting himself into terrible positions which fight you cut out just for a second i cut out for a second which fight oh you cut oh we were just talking about gary gary unbelievable I heard like 90% of what you said, which frankly was more than I needed to hear. I'm back. Okay. I'm engaged. Okay. No, I'm with you. Gary, uh, f- who was his, uh, his opponent's like a leg lock specialist. They were saying, I didn't yes. really, I did not really know him. Um, I mostly learned about him from the thing. He looked good. He looked really good. Yeah. Uh, Gary's insane. Yeah. He just uh, gets caught in your legs and it's like, good luck. I mean, good yeah. fucking luck staying away from one of those heel hooks. Yeah, no shit, man. But on the other side of uh, Gary Tonin, you also, of course, have an exciting match when you have Keenan Cornelius in anything. And all of us got to see Keenan take on Dean Lister. And I believe they were fighting at a catch weight of non-existent. <laughs> they were fighting at catch weight of all you can eat. Mm-hmm. If that's a catch weight, that's what it was at. And um, you better believe that Keenan went to a buffet and ate to his heart's content and did not come anywhere near Dean Lister. No. Uh, he was a few <laughs> – he might be one Keenan shy of a Dean Lister. <laughs> um, so I was, I guess, impressed that Dean didn't throw him around. Like that being said, Keenan completely imposed his will and was a beast. And it was one of those like, okay, maybe – Whew. You you don't necessarily always get reminded that the guards have changed quite so extremely than when you're watching Keenan just decimate Dean. Let's well, let's discuss two things. Um, when you saw, I think it was Dean starting to go kind of for the knee a little bit on Keenan. Mm-hmm. Uh, just given Keenan's knee history, uh, you kind of jump up a little bit because that's a terrible place to be. But Keenan handled like a pro. And given but, Dean's knee history. Absolutely. And the other thing that I was really impressed about was considering that, you know, Dean was expected to fight somebody else. And we don't know why he didn't fight Pablo because they kept alluding to wait. And I don't know if that was an official thing. Um, but really given all that. Tell. Yeah, it was really difficult to tell. But given all that. I think this is one of the more motivated times that we've seen Dean in, in recent history because he was he was pushing the action more than he normally does. For sure. And at least trying to incite things because uh, this Dean, I think, was – he was maybe a little thrown off on what to do with Keenan this go-round. And it was eight minutes of a really cool and uh, all-around great match. So our compliments there. But my compliments to you, Kevin. You don't really say funny things a lot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, that wasn't the. I'm sorry. No, the, compliment. the compliment's coming. Yes, oh, okay. the compliment is coming. Uh, Kevin had the best metaphor, analogy, simile, all in one, when he compared 
Keenan Cornelius and Gary Tonin, and how did you compare the two of them? They're like Derek Zoolander and Hansel. It's just such a hold on, Kev. Do me a favor. Give our audience like ten seconds to really process having their mind blown by that metaphor, simile, analogy. And we're back. I know I feel different after hearing that because I will never look at the two of them the same. They should start dressing like that. Like they should start mm-hmm. dressing the part. One of them needs one of those razors. I'll get Gary the razor. Sure, he is. He's spry. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know we just need to give Keenan some less dumb facial expressions to do into the camera, and we'll be good to go. Good luck with that, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're going to need a firm, and it's probably going to need to involve two coeds from a UCLA-based cheerleading squad. Um, That's an yeah. idea. He is, he is happily taken, Kevin. You leave him alone. Everyone is, but I'd rather learn Spanish from the two cheerleaders, is what I'm saying. Like if, I, <laughs> if I got to choose who I learned Spanish yeah, from. Uh, we're going to talk more about the Polaris Pro with the Around yes. the Mat guys. You'll be mediating the group of jackasses that we will assemble around you while I cunningly steal the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Just like with your very well-articulated Keaton joke that you had a follow-up right there. <laughs> Shaking your boots. Remember, guys, I complimented Kevin, and then moments after, back to me. Yeah, and everyone's like, well, you complimented him by first slamming him. So Do you expect any other kind of compliment on this show? Whatever. What else do we have on the podcast? Yeah, let's do that. Verbal Tap fans, we have uh, an MMA BJJ legend on the podcast. Javier Vasquez, uh, you have been fighting your first submission, 19... 98, June 28th. This is what Wikipedia has. An arm bar over Sean Kim. Do you remember that arm bar? I do. I do. Sean was a friend of mine. Uh, I, I knew Sean before uh, fighting uh, from the wrestling community, so he's a friend of mine. We're still friends to this day. He's a great guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how are you doing? I had to ask about the arm bar <laughs> first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. Just hanging out. Yeah, training up. You have a fight with Gary Tonin coming up. You guys are doing a grappling match, which is um, really, really exciting. You're just looking at your MMA record. You're obviously a submission-oriented fighter. So is Gary. Uh, how is training for that? It's been good, man. I um, I'm reaching out to uh, friends and family to help me out with this one because this is definitely not going to be an easy match. So, and when you I, say uh, friends and family, people might not know that includes a pretty elite family of grapplers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give them by the name of I can't remember it, Raph. Something mm. like Gracie. It had like mm. a Gracie. It maybe. Are do they do jujitsu? I'm not sure. I'm connected with them. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I I, uh, I called Dean Lister, who's a good friend of mine. Um, you know, because Gary Gary has awesome. got really good leg locks, 
Um, so, I mean, I figure Dean knows a thing or two about light locks. So I called Dean and he's like, yeah, yeah come on down. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm very, very fortunate and very privileged to, um, to, um, have access to these guys and, and for them to be friends of mine. It just so happens that Dean is one of the best grapplers in the world and probably the best leg locker in the business. Mm, um, yeah. so I, I definitely had to call Dean and, uh, I also called Edon and Hannah Gracie who have been there for me, you know, the past 10 years. Anytime I've ever asked them to help me with anything, they've always been, you know, had open arms and, and have always helped me with anything I've ever needed. So, um, you know, I'm, I feel that level wise, um, I also got a chance to roll with Jeff Glover, who's been a friend of mine for many years also. Um, so, I mean, I have access to, to basically the best guys in the world. Um, and I feel very fortunate and, and I'm taking advantage of it because Gary is, is, is a very good grappler and, and, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm taking him very seriously. I mean, I have to ask you this because, uh, I know for all of us, this match is, is super exciting. For example, there is a post next to you guys that says, hide your kids, hide your Wi-Fi, because Gary Grappling, everybody out there, which is followed by hide your heels, and then followed by Javi has really good leg locks. This is going to be a very fun match. Like, if you look down all of the social media comments, it's split 50-50 because people are so excited as one of the participants, what is the appeal of the match to you? Like, what's the appeal of doing a match with Gary? Um, you know, um, for me, I honestly didn't even know who Gary Conan was, you know, a month ago. <laughs> I really awesome. didn't. Um, I actually, the, 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 way the, the way the match came, came to be was, like I said, I've been around forever. <laughs> and Eddie Bravo and I have been friends for well over 15 years. And I asked, I asked Eddie, I go, hey, Eddie, um, you know, I want to do a match, but I want to have a tough match. Like, who do you think I should go against? He's like, Gary Tony. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> so <laughs> so um, he was just like, oh, yeah, you should have a match with Gary. He's really good, you know. So, I mean, if you really want to get your name off there, have a match with him. And I'm like, okay. So we basically just – I had Rose uh, contact him. And, uh, you know, so he, he accepted and then, you know, then I started doing research. I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty good. And, <laughs> and which, which really doesn't bother me, man. The, the main reason for me personally to do this match was simply to find out where, how good I am, you know, mm. find out where I'm at. And it makes no sense for me to be, you know, dipping my toe in the water and getting, you know, average opponents. And, Absolutely. you know, I, I figure, I figure I might as well just go for the best guy and, and if he beats me, he beats me, which I don't think is going to happen. I really feel that he's going to be very tough to finish, and it might take me a minute or two to do it. But, um, you know, I want to feel what this next level is because I've trained with the best guys, and guys, you know, don't run through me, which is hilarious when people say, oh, Gary's going to run through him. I'm like, man, obviously this guy has no clue who I am, but it's all good. It's, <laughs> First of I, it, all, coolest setup to a grappling match I've heard yet. The fact that you just have this conversation with Eddie Bravo um, is something <laughs> that's like how you would script it. But I think it's a compliment, obviously, to Gary Tonin that Eddie Bravo's like, oh, you want to fight someone amazing? This is good. But it's also a compliment to you because I trust Eddie Bravo to have an eye 
uh, to just understand who he's grappling with. And I'm presumably you said you guys are friends. I just uh, he obviously must know your grappling MMA reputation. So mm-hmm. it also is a compliment to you that that's the first click because that means he was like, oh, well, Gary Tonin. It's like that's a. Uh, I like how that goes. Sorry, Raph, I interrupted you. To- oh no, I I was just gonna say, you know, I've. I've seen uh, Eddie and Gary interact. Uh, they did a, a seminar over at Tenth Planet headquarters, and I, I do believe you know they were kind of talking a little bit about you. And I don't want to give too much away, but they were just so excited about the possibility. And Gary's like his specialties are so crazy and out there. What have you learned uh, just in reviewing tape uh, most about Gary? Um, well, I mean, he, he's definitely not trying to, to hang on to anything, you know, he's, mm. he's pretty active. Um, and, and, he, and he seems to have a little pattern that he does, a little sequences, um, mm. where, where he puts people in positions where he has more experience than them. And, it, it, you know, and, and it's, it feels like his opponents are a half a step behind, um, mm you know, behind him, and then he ultimately ends up catching him. But he, he's very, very good. He's very tough. He's tough to finish. He's, you know, he's got good back control. He's, um, he's got good leg locks. He's got pretty good sweeps. He's got, you know, has a very good gas tank. Um, An okay yeah. smile. Just throwing that out. <laughs> uh, whatever. I'm not really looking at a smile, but that's <laughs> you. Uh, whatever. Well, but, that's um, why you're the professional grappler, and absolutely I'm just a podcaster with occasional jokes. <laughs> that's, those are important distinctions that are always. You know, made. I, I, I just didn't. I, I didn't want to have any regrets in my career and in my life. I, you know, I, I, I ended my MMA career on my terms, the way I wanted, coming off of a win at the highest level, which I, I was competing at that level for a very long time, and when I felt that the time was up and I just didn't want to do it anymore, then I stopped. And for this, it's, you know, I wanted to fight the best guys. And, um, but like I said, man, the guys, the guys who train with me know, and the guys who don't, don't know. And, and they don't really get what level I'm at. So, and I, and I, and you know, I want to know how good and how far I can go. And if it's, if I go out there and run through Gary, um, which is possible, but you know, it's probably unlikely because I think he's really good. But if, if it is, you know, if that does happen, I don't want to hear people saying, Oh, well, he, you know, Gary's really not that good. Or, Oh, well, you, you did yeah. well, you have just so much more experience, yeah. and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, no, that won't be a problem. He, you beat Gary. Yeah. People will be like, well, okay. We got to get a uh, hobby, some new matches. <laughs> We've got to, there's a yeah, few people yeah. not far away. Now, Javi, I do have to ask this, and lots of people have different ways. We love hearing the different uh, manners in which people are training for this. But when they say no time limit, how are you training for that? <laughs> I, I train for that every day. It's just uh, realistically, man, um, my evolution and, and my growth in the game has um, has been more philosophical than technical or physical. Um, following a certain philosophy and having a certain mindset um, has really made it to where when I train and when I roll, I mean, I'm really not even getting warmed up until about the 20 minute mark. So I'm not really getting that tired because of how I am training and the mentality behind what I'm doing. So, I mean, for me, no time limit, you know, I have a good feeling that an hour can go by and I'm still going to be, just fine so 
Um, and, he, and, and, and I know Gary sets a good pace, so that's what I'm kind of curious about. And that's, part, part of the, that's, yeah. that's part of the that's part of the allure. Well, I'm not. I don't want to be out there that long. But I mean, oh, okay. I, I understand. Well, from a spectator, <laughs> like, it's, it, it's no I gi, correct? It is a possibility. Yeah. It's no gi, yeah. And you know. do you train gi, no gi equally? Or do, you, do you drip One, towards no gi? No. What? No, I'm, I, I usually train about 75% with the gi and 25% without the gi. Um, but I, I've always felt that I'm way better without the gi. Um, it just so happens that the way I've, I've structured my school, that's just the way it happens. Um, if I could, I would actually train Nogi a little bit more, but um, it just, it's, I, I train so many beginners classes um, that the Gi just happens to be what I, what I wear the most, but I do enjoy Nogi uh, quite a bit. That's so great. Now, I, I guess when you are training and you say that you get to 20 minutes and you just warmed up, you know, is that murder for scheduling the day if you're just training? Like, do you have to block out a full hour just to be like, guys, I just, I don't know how long this is going to go. I'm only warmed up to 20 minutes. Because um, I always well, feel no, like. I mean, I'm, I, I'm generally capping guys along the way, but, but, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, I just, we just go, man. I mean, usually if, if, if I go to the, to go train, like if I'm going to really go train, I, I try to put a two hour block, um, okay. down. So right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to approach this match very differently than I did any of my MMA matches. This is like, for me, like a little mini camp. Mm. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to feel like it's a job, like, like my MMA career, you know? So I'm going to, tr- I'm just going to listen to my body. And when I feel like I can go hard, I'll go hard. When I feel like I need a day off, I'll, I'll take a day off. And because this is, for me, this is just a total experiment. And and I'm just having fun with it. I mean, there's yeah. no real pressure on me. I mean, realistically, all all the pressure is on Gary. I mean, mm-hmm. I I'm just doing it for shits and giggles, you know. Um, but he's the one that's you know that's got the huge reputation, and and he's the one that's supposed to be running through me and the whole thing. And um and it's just I mean I'm actually really happy that so many people have interest in this match, and and that so many people are being verbal about like, wow, this is, this is going to be really interesting. And, and, and that to me is a win-win situation right there. I mean, just the fact that people are talking about it and just the fact that people are like, man, we don't know, we don't know what's going to yeah. happen. Um, I think that, you know, it's a positive for me, it's a positive for Gary and, and it's a positive for, for Gracie Nationals just to have that kind of um, interest in, in a match. I'm, I'm curious to see how many people are actually going to go down and watch the match. I mean, the, the fitness expo, where the Gracie Nationals are held, it's already mm. a huge event. There's already oh, like 15,000 yeah. people there that weekend. So there's already going to be a ton of people there. Um, but I've never really, I've never really promoted any sort of a grappling match for myself. I just kind of mm-hmm. rose. If she needs somebody to compete against the black brushes, I can't go put your stuff on. I, I literally get five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I literally get five minutes. And she's like, yeah, by the way, the guy's 200 pounds. It's like, okay, thanks. Oh my God. Killer warrior. So, now, kind of anyway, so. now, Javi, you know, just to backtrack a little bit, we talked a little bit about your match. Uh, you started off wrestling at Mount mm-hmm. Sac uh, in your collegiate career, yeah? Well, I actually started in high school. Um, it was funny because somebody said, you know, I asked him, like, when was Gary born? And they're like, in 1991. I'm like, I started wrestling in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, that would be a great tagline for the match below it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it's okay. I've been I actually a year, a year longer. I actually also am a Mount Sac alum, so I, when I I knew that you were wrestling from there, uh, they've got a, a great program, and I knew that was a great thing. So talk us through the beginning of your career. Like, how do you make the transition from wrestling to MMA? Uh, well, when I was when I was in college, um, I uh, you know just like everybody else, I watched UFC four was the first one I watched, and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I want to do that. Not so much the fight, but I definitely wanted to learn to get you. I wanted something. Um, I didn't want to keep wrestling. Either. I did get recruited to wrestle Division One by two schools, Cal State Fullerton and Cal State Bakersfield. I just didn't want to do it, man. I just didn't want to keep cutting it that much weight. They wanted me to cut down a weight class below where I was, already was, and it was just not going to happen. And and uh, But I wanted to keep wrestling and grappling. I, to me, I would have just kept wrestling, you know, um, as long as I could have. But, but I came across Jiu-Jitsu, and I thought to myself, I can do that. I want to learn that. And uh, I didn't want to start it when I was in college because I didn't want to have the habit of going to my back. So once I was done with wrestling, I immediately started looking for a jiu-jitsu school and started, you know, looking, trying to find videos and stuff just to learn the stuff. And, and it just kind of, I just, it was like a seamless transition from one to the other. And at the time, you know, 1997 is when I started. At the time, there was, I mean, there was like, Hoyan's videos, and then there was like nothing else. <laughs> you know what I mean? so, um, and when you the, say I mean, video, it's like, are we talking VHS, DVD? Yeah, it was like VHS, and then they had the beginners, <laughs> you know, series, and then the advanced series didn't come out till way later. Little known so, fact: Rewind was a very helpful function in jujitsu videos, mm, more yeah, so than yeah. other movies. But I'm. Raph, could you yeah. just note that? No, joke I'm not. Okay. No, no, no. It's not going in. Okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you're getting this VHS and – okay, so what year is this? Because you just said 1997. 97. 97. And you're arm-barring people by 98. 98. So yeah, you, I, I mean – You just <laughs> knew you wanted to get in the cage? Well, no, not, no, not, not really, you know. Um, I mean, I went through my, my belts relatively quickly i guess you could say i mean i got my black belt in about five and a half years yeah well you um, with a wrestling background like wrestlers walk right. in damn near as blue belts or purple belts because they just understand how that body movement works right right i mean so i had probably did you're fine probably it's early in la belt, folks he's uh, he's I, doing us a favor he's training hard you don't have to apologize we're in yeah um i, I went uh I was a, a white belt, like maybe like three months. And then like my instructor was like, yeah, you're going to do this blue belt tournament because it was like only like blue belted up. And I was like, okay, so am I getting my blue belt? He's like, no. <laughs> so I went in and I did, and I did a blue belt tournament as a white belt, borrowing my buddy's white belt, uh, my buddy's blue belt. And, um, um, and I ended up winning the tournament. I ended up winning the guy that won the, that won the Pan Ams and, I get him on points, and and I got back, and I still didn't get my blue belt for like another month or two. So I got my blue belt like in like maybe five or five or six months, and then I was then I won like sixteen blue belt tournaments, and then he gave me a purple belt like after like a year, and then I won another fourteen tournaments, Jesus. and then he gave me a brown belt. So I so I was a brown belt, you know, in three years, and then he held me at brown for two and a half years, and then he gave me a black belt. Yeah. So. So, I mean, I went through the belts kind of fast. So, I mean, I already had a wrestling background. So, I mean, I had zero striking, but 
uh, all I was good at was like arm bars and triangles off my back. So Sean ended up taking me down and I just arm barred him. That well, Sean, wish he had that one back. Sean's like, damn it. If only I had listened to this podcast, hop in the time machine. Do you remember when this is just where I ask him about cool things. It's a new series we're doing. Uh, do you remember the submission heel hook against Feral Frisbee in yeah. June 2001? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember all all my all my wins for the most part, you know. And but okay. um, yeah, I mean, at, at the time, like nobody was really doing leg locks. Anymore. I was. That's what I was about to ask. I said this before to Raph. I was like, I want to see Feral's face when he's like, "What the fuck was that?" Because in 2001, I mean. People just didn't know what like, jiu-jitsu and grappling have exploded, and the roundness of MMA has really exploded in the last seven, eight years. But in 2001, did he even know what you had done to him? Um, yeah, Farrell had had like, like 30 fights or something. He had a ton of fights in, in Arizona because Legion of Cages running shows like every month. So, I mean, he had, he had a lot of experience. But, I mean, at the time, you know, the level of, of most – fighters at that time you know just like with anything was was far below you know the average fighter back then is you know would get killed by the average fighter now guys now just understand the sport more and everyone's more well-rounded and absolutely the whole game, you know? yeah the whole training so, regimen is different yeah yeah the whole training regimen is different it's just it was just a different time man i, I was i was uh, at the infancy of of you know modern day MMA in, in the United States, you know? So like I said, I, I feel very fortunate to, to have seen the sport grow and develop, but, um, yeah, you, you know, I, I've gained a tremendous amount of experience because of it, you know? But Joe Stevenson was your last opponent, but it's Chad Mendez got some Jens Pulver in here. Elsie Davis, whom we've interviewed friend of the podcast, uh, Rob Emerson, like, it's just a lot of really cool names that you fought over the years. Mm-hmm. Do yeah, you I mean, have um, a few favorites that you look back on now as you're, um, as you're doing the grappling? As I'm doing the grappling? Do you have like – I'm sorry. Just now that you've transitioned and when you think back to your MMA career, uh, what are like a few that stand out? Definitely the Pulver fight. You know, he was – when I was taking the case champion, he was UFC champion and I really wanted that fight back then in like 2001, 2002. And, you know, I finally got the match and I beat him and people are like, well, you know, he's at the end of his career. And I'm like, dude, I would have beat him. You know, what makes you think that I wouldn't have beaten him, you know, back in the day? I was just good, you know? So um, that was a big one. I really d- didn't like the Joe Stevenson fight because I, I Joe's a friend of mine, so I would have rather have ne- never had to have fought him. Yeah. Um, it was a good win because he's such a good competitor and he was such a good fighter, you know? But I... I'm, I'm very bittersweet on that because I, I, I like Joe a lot, you know. Um, um, I mean, that, I mean the Pulver one for me was definitely the biggest one That's in my awesome. opinion. I like this too. Oh, and then Steve. Sato, and the Romina Sato one was a, was a pretty big deal too. You know, at the time he was ranked like sixth in the world, um, and that was a, a pretty big deal. And that's kind of what got my name out there a little bit in the MMA circle. Yeah, and that fight, I'm looking, it was in Japan. Awesome. Yeah. Shudo. Yep. Treasure Hunt 7. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you won via decision. Oh, there you go. So, when you're looking, and we'll, we're going to start to wrap up because we obviously have to get you back to training. When we click over to Gracie Nationals, which um, obviously the jiu jitsu world follows pretty closely, I mean, it's become a, a 
just over the past few years, it always blows up when when the time comes. February seventh, eighth. When is this? When is the fight with Gary? The eighth. It's the Sunday eighth. the eighth. Okay. It's, it's, the, it's the day of the Nogi. Yeah, the, the Nogi day. I wasn't sure if the fight was just going to be featured, but you can see that fight February eighth. How are you going to start the match? Do you mind telling us? Is that too much? Standing standing on our feet. Standing on our feet, and are you going <laughs> to attack for the takedown? You're not. You're worried. You're going to throw an elbow just out of instinct, or you've got that. No, no. I'm. I'm. Yeah. No. Not really. I'm. 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 I'm fine. <laughs> um, yeah. No. I. I uh, man, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, um, maybe he pulls guard. Maybe. I mean, who knows, man? We'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, we'll see how it goes. Hobby, I don't. I don't want to jump in here and, and oversight, you know, your training and what you've done. I have had the chance to roll with Gary. I was going to say, we have an insider tip here. I can give you some inside <laughs> tips. Um, okay. Would, would you like to know the most important of all the tips? Hide your legs. Oh, well, that's like number two, well, but that like sounds... that's a far number two. Yeah. I mean... uh, the, the number one tip, and this is, this is huge, okay? So are you, are you writing this down? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Number one tip, don't be bad. Don't be bad. You, don't be bad. That's usually the only thing. Uh, that was that was my biggest downfall when I was rolling with Gary. Everything else, I think, is, is all questionable. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Why is your feet too specific, right? we we got to think in jiu-jitsu, especially you want to keep Larger your... philosophical terms. I wanted to reach out to him. It's, uh, yeah, it's really helpful. Don't be bad. It's like when you're getting choked out or someone's like got to move and someone's trying to corner you and they're like, Block the choke! Block the choke! It's like, thank you. Thank you. It's, That's it's, more so, it's more so get hit out of back. there. <laughs> don't get hit. Hit him back. <laughs> I love that. Don't get hit. Hit him back. Uh, no, I that, love that. Get out of there! You gotta get out of there. there! I can't believe there hasn't been just a super cut or a documentary that just explores those cornering relationships. It just kind of like bounces around to some of the best corner strategies. Somebody should do that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> he's got the Javi's got the history of the sport, so we'll Raf we'll credit it and we'll just bring in Javi as an outside consultant. That'll be absolutely our, that'll yes. be our contribution. Well, February eighth, you can see Javi fight, and if they want to come train with you, what you're? I just had this written down because I don't live in California, so on, I Kevin. can't say the names. Try it. Try and say <laughs> the name of where Javi is located, Kevin. Uh, Rancho Cuca, Cuca, Cuca Changa, Cuca Manchanga, <laughs> something. Your Rancho, literacy is always Rancho, funny. Rancho Cucamunda. Cucamunda. Okay. Rancho Cucamunga. He said it and then you still got it wrong. Cucamunga. This <laughs> yeah. is so hard. I don't know. How to... yeah, <laughs> I we, we, this podcast we opened, I opened up, I opened up that gym. Um, about just over three years ago, and we are expanding it. We're we're basically tripling our size right now, so we're under construction. But um, you know, we still have our regular class schedule. Everything's going on, but come by and check it out, guys. It's it's going to be, I mean, probably one of the nicest facilities around in the world. Um, you know, we we have really nice accommodations. We're going to have like a little juice bar and showers and locker rooms and a nice size mat. And, and the entire academy is dedicated to self-defense. I'm not really training for jiu-jitsu for competition. It's all for self-defense. Everything I teach in my entire advanced curriculum, which is well over 1,400 pages, is 
assuming somebody can hit you, setups for submissions with strikes, defending strikes from the guards from the side mount, takedowns with strikes, defending takedowns with strikes. The whole curriculum, the whole philosophy of the gym is for self-defense. And I use my 13 you know, plus years of MMA experience um, and you know, over 20 years of wrestling to, to systematically break down my entire game um, technique by technique, and it's all written down. It's all documented. Um, so yeah, the, everything I do is for self-defense, and, and, and I really want to, um, you know, really bring that back. As, as most academies have completely forgotten about it, um, and most you know jujitsu gyms you know, start on their knees and, and and do all that. And I do do that for for the beginners, but once they get like a blue belt, they're on their feet. And, you know, they're throwing strikes and trying to clinch and trying to take each other down. That's that's the way I prefer to train because it's just really lacking in the jiu-jitsu community. Most people just see jiu-jitsu as a sport, and it's not a complete system of self-defense. So I'm really on board with that train, um, as well as the submission-only train. You know, I'm, I'm really on board with that just because, uh, you know, point tournaments are just so boring to me, and, and the matches are so boring. I, I, to me, jiu-jitsu became unwatchable. When you add submission only and no points, it, it kind of changes the entire dynamic of a match. So I'm really on board with, with the self-defense and, and the submission only format for tournament. Well, Javi, I got to tell you, you know, uh, you really want us over with the uh, the extent of what you guys are doing training-wise. But uh, you definitely want us all over when you said for perks you have a shower and more importantly that you have a juice bar. That was just like the finishing <laughs> touch. So – uh, I think most places would kill to have those kind of things uh, if they don't yeah. already. But no, it sounds great. Uh, Rancho Cucamonga, Kevin, thank you, is where you can go find uh, that out there. And Javi, uh, we want to thank you so much for stopping in. Uh, can we get any shout outs for you before we get you on out of here? Yeah, just um, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. A lot of people really like my Instagram. I post a lot of technique on my Instagram. Uh, my, uh, my, my Twitter and Instagram is exactly the same. It's at Javier. Showtime, um, come by check check it out, guys. Have you guys follow? Do you guys follow me on Instagram? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> we will. We can remedy that within I'm, seconds. We, we will be if we're not. I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah, We're in on the technique. Instagram. So hell yes. Kind of, kind of scroll down all the way to the bottom, and I do it a little bit. That's all I was doing, and then um, as I started po- posting pictures, people started liking the pictures and stuff as well. But, but um, you know, I'm gonna get back on that technique train where I'm trying to show at least one new technique a week. Um, but yeah, check it out and let me know what you guys think. Sick. We can do that. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, big thanks. All right. Thank you guys. What a podcast. Looking forward to watching uh, the Javier Gary fight because, you know, that's going to be cool. Mm. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, I mean, at the beginning, you know, Gary's on a run. It's going to be a tough fight. Well, now we're friends with both of these guys. So just invested in seeing a good fight. Yeah. Stoked. Can't wait for it. They'll, they'll post that pretty quick, right? Somebody will post that, right? Raph? Somebody will post it? Oh, I hate having to live without that stuff. Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, damn it.
some Kansas City fights that I didn't have access to immediately. I got a little upset. Hey, what a podcast, but it's time for some shout-outs. You ready to do this? Let's do it. I'll start. Matt Meyer, high school friend of mine, did a little excerpt in the comments, prodding some pretty good John Jones points. And, uh, you know, it was obviously we don't have any answers or questions, really, but I think we made some good jokes earlier, Raph. Uh, yeah, I think certainly. so. And we got you an exclusive interview with Dana White. What more can you want? <sighs> what? Ask more. Yeah. Come on, Matt. Calm down with the requests, obviously. Now I'm just turning to the person I was shouting out. But always fun to see uh, friends interacting with us on social media. So he gets a shout out. Be a lesson to all my friends. That's how easy it is. Is that a lesson or a threat? I don't know. (laughs) The ones that listen will be interested. BJJ and MMA Academy out there in Chantilly, VA. Uh, We had some ice bowl training. A little gym heat malfunction on Saturday. It was like 40 degrees. We didn't care. Yeah, the Polaris Pro was coming up. So it was like, let's... Andrew brought some space heaters. We plugged in. We got some good old-fashioned ice training in. So thanks to the guys over there at ice training. It's going to do it for me, Raph. That's awesome. Uh, I want to go ahead and start by shouting out Valley Martial Arts Center. BBB and Mac. Guys, uh, great training as always. Um, but Kev, have you ever had a training session where somebody came after you like the rent was due? Yeah. Yeah. I do know what you're talking about. Uh, my good friend uh, Kyle Aho. Uh, you know, the role started off just fine, as they normally do. And then two seconds into it, death. He is coming, I mean, just for everything. And it was amazing. Did you say something? You probably said something along the way. I don't know. I I think sometimes, because you know my face, sometimes my face may non-verbally say something like, really? Or I don't know. Uh, So chalk it up to that. But uh, one of my favorite training sessions uh, has been with uh, Kyle. So props to him. And uh, he's also got a new book out. You guys should read it. It's called Soldiers of Misfortune. It's really, really cool. Uh, He just put out the second book. So uh, if you guys are uh, looking for some sci-fi to read, I would highly recommend it. Kyle is good friends with the podcast. And also uh, fairly vicious on the mats, but in a good way. So my thanks to him, and I look forward to training with him again. I also want to shout out some people. I'm going to shotgun them all the way through. Let's go ahead and start over with our good friends at Systems Training Center. That is Marcus Koval and Dimitri Girmersimov. Uh Those guys uh, are actually – Gorgi. Uh, is that – no, it's Dimitri Gigapet. Bulbul's Bulb. Yes, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of those. Yeah. Dimitri and Marcus Kev are going to make history this Saturday. What's that include? I couldn't think of anything funny. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to try and have a whole conversation about America without annoying me. What what are they going to (laughs) do? I will tell you this. I moderated a debate between the two of them in promotion for the very first installment of chess jujitsu. Is that what it sounds like? Well, tell me what you think it is. Chess jiu-jitsu, um, you do a move, you roll for two minutes. Do a move, you roll yeah. for two minutes. Well, it's not a move. What you do is uh, you get, like, speed chess. So you 
go for a few minutes and then if nobody's checkmated, then you go and you do jujitsu for three minutes and you go to someone gets either submitted or uh, a checkmate happens. So it's uh, it's a variation of a program called chess boxing that's kind of fun out here in Los Angeles that Marcus has participated in. So they're doing the very first exhibition of chess jujitsu and uh, I moderated a debate and I think it's pretty funny. I think we really got into the inside of those guys' heads. Uh, first of all, awesome. Second, of course, that's what they're doing. These two are lunatics. These mm-hmm. some fight people are just lunatics. Add them to mm-hmm. that list. So like, how can we combine this super quiet strategic game with hurting each other? Nailed it. We'll add you to. Uh, you have somebody that you're going for on that. Yeah, uh, I'm Team Dimitri. You're Team Dimitri. That's weird because I'm Team Marcus. No way. Oh, yeah. a podcast divided. No, no. no. So we uh, we wish them the best, and by the best we mean the worst, because if there was a way they could double KO each other, that'd be even better. But I don't slip. think there's a way to do that in jiu-jitsu Somebody's that I know of. Slip getting out of their chair. It's like, that's the money <laughs> shot. Marcus falls. Like, ah. So good luck to those guys. We will have a full report as to what happened uh, and some other podcast. I don't know when. Maybe next one. We'll see. Tune in. If Serial can do <laughs> fucking 19 episodes on one fucking case, we can do <laughs> fucking yeah. 20 episodes on one chess jiu-jitsu demonstration. Uh, we also want to send a shout-out to Mark Dickman, who won his fight at RFA 22 this weekend with a first-round Kimura. Uh, Mark, congratulations. Really, really good stuff. Happy for you, my man. And we also want to send shout-out to Albert Morales, who is fighting this week on Bellator, you guys. You want to pay attention. He's fighting on Bellator. Albert the Warrior Morales. Good people. Very good guy. If you haven't listened to that podcast with him, I think it was like two podcasts ago. Yeah, 101. Sound right? Yeah. Who can keep track anymore? 101, So uh, I want to shout him out. Uh, I also want to shout out... Uh, our good friends who were watching Polaris with us, uh, like G Cortez, uh, who was cracking our shit up all the way here on the podcast. And we also want to shout out, and this joke, Kev, this joke would have made so much more sense, uh, about a week and a half ago. I didn't get the chance to do it on the last show. And it's a little different with the new context that we all have. But, uh, this is from Juan Contreras. And, uh, this is moments after John Jones won. Uh, the fight between him and Daniel Cormier. And do you know what he said? No. He wrote a hashtag that was, and still continues to be fake, John Jones, which is way funnier a week and a half ago. And I told him I was going to read it then, but now I'm reading it. And absolutely nothing has changed to John Jones that would make that in any way tragic. But I promised I would read it, and I did. And uh, one last final shout out to our friends at Subconscious Jiu Jitsu, that being, um, a great program run by Brent Berniston, who yesterday held a free seminar for everybody, open to everybody, had a great turnout, um, really cool, worked on everything with us. We're talking submissions, we're talking some takedowns, which I think are important in jiu-jitsu, even though I cannot do them. Yeah. 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 Uh, but he was really, really good in uh, making sure that he had advanced – Moderate, beginner, intermediate, everything. Everybody was covered and uh, always really, really great and insightful. And I want to say uh, thanks to Brent for making my cross collar even more better. So if it actually works, it's because of him. If it 
doesn't work, it's because of me. So uh, my thanks to him. And uh, yeah, I always like rolling with the good guys from uh, from Subconscious. So my thanks to everybody there. And one last shout out to Amici, who I got to see again yesterday, who made his way on up uh, to train with us. Guys, if you haven't used Amici's new uh, goal setting program, he put out a uh, PDF that can help you create goals for your jiu-jitsu 2015. And uh, I would highly recommend using it. It's uh, 50 pages worth of uh, notebook kind of stuff where you can map out what you want to try and do this year. And uh, a lot of people say that would be a good idea to do. Amici actually did it for you. You just have to write in the parts that apply to you. So uh, I would highly recommend using that. And that will do it for shout-outs for me on this week. Amici's the man. It's going to do it for us tonight here. Verbal Tap Podcast. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fucking fight.